Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Sal Vetri Show. The DFS clip you're about to hear originally aired on my YouTube channel. And before we get into it, you can leave a five-star review. If you can subscribe, download to the podcast, like, and share it, whatever you have to do, I greatly appreciate that. Helps the podcast out a lot. Helps us reach more people. What I would hope is this beneficial content. So welcome and enjoy. Welcome to the Sal Vetri Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the channel. It is 12.41 p.m. East Coast time. It is Tuesday, October 22nd. And we're going to take our first initial picks, like uh, my first initial interest of the week. If you're new to the channel, what I do here is Monday, I'll take a first look. We'll see the salaries. I do my initial research, a higher level stuff, and then I get together a player pool that's initial. And then on Thursday or Friday, we come back with a more compressed player pool, something I feel confident about. Lots of hours of research going at that point. Um, Later today and Wednesday and Thursday morning are my main research hours going into the weekend, of course. So right now, it's an initial where I'm at to start the week, some of the takes that I have, and hopefully that's enjoyable and people are getting entertainment out of it. So we're going to keep doing it. Of course, this video, and maybe you're already listening on the podcast version, will be pulled down and stripped for sound into the audio podcast version found anywhere you want, wherever you listen and put your, your headphones in your ears to listen to podcasts. I appreciate it. If you get a five-star rate and review, it helps me out a ton to reach more people on the audio version, trying to build a following over there. But for all the YouTube people, you can see all the charts behind my head. You could read some of the notes and the statistics, and I really appreciate the support. We are now over 13,000. We flew past it. We're over 13.1 thousand followers and subscribers that exactly for YouTube. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. If you get any value from this video or the NBA videos that I'm going to be putting out and the first one is already out, please hit that subscribe button. We'll be having videos every single day on this channel, whether it is now NBA and or and more times than not. And I'll have both NBA and NFL videos throughout the rest of the NFL season. So Appreciate it. I have exclusive content for NBA projections um, are going to be linked down below in my model, as well as just the NFL. Tons of stuff for the NFL, probably more so than I should have on there, uh, but it's a very valuable price point. We have almost 300 patrons. You can go and check it out. Link down below on your own time if you do want. If you have any questions, just reach out to me in the YouTube comments. Reach out to me on Patreon, on Twitter, wherever you want. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DFS, Instagram at SalVetri. I'm going to be adding more content to my Instagram game. Right now, it's been very much so personal life, but I'm going to transform that into more of a, a, a more my following likes right dfs type stuff videos like that so you can check that out there as well for quick hitters uh on some stats and just parts of my videos and then also facebook page sal Vetri. so appreciate it those are all the spots you can find me i'll be on the pat mayo show every monday also every tuesday wednesday thursday and saturday in some capacity for nba and nfl thank you all so much i love doing this but let's get down into the slate we packed up we put it all away all all the stuff that i got to hit on all the plugs right my personal plugs um best way to get them out is is now when i'm when i'm actually talking to the following and you guys have something that you can hear me through So thank you so much for everything. Let's get into the quarterbacks for this week. Interesting week. Uh, We have quarterbacks that are, and I'll blow this up real quickly. I don't have too much notes in my game-by-game notes. It's usually around a 10 to 15-page document. We'll be dropping on Thursday morning. Um, So I don't have a ton of notes right now, but I have initial research on some of these spots and probably all of them. Uh, Yeah, right now, these are where my interests are. It's not that I like Kyler Murray the best. That is not what's happening here. This is just five guys that I have in a yes pool and a couple guys that I want to dig more down into. Uh, Some of these yeses can become noes. Some of the noes can become yeses and so on and so forth. On a Tuesday, though, I do like Kyler Murray's price point at 6200 it's going to come down for me if christian kirk plays if christian kirk plays i'm going to favor kyler murray over some other guys in his price range right next to matthew stafford right next to matt ryan if he plays Jameis winston i'll favor him a little bit more because we know he has the rushing upside right i mean kyler murray right now in the season is averaging 38 rushing yards per game which is the highest on this slate because you don't have lamar jackson on this slate um so it's the highest on this slate right now he's averaging seven rushing attempts seven rushing attempts per game Murray, though, if he gets Christian Kirk back, the whole offense changes. Without Christian Kirk, they're not running anywhere near as many four wide receiver sets. Farrell Cooper, the other slot wide receiver, only on the field 35% of the snaps each of the last two weeks. So you could see 
not a lot of four wide receiver sets as opposed to when Christian Kirk was on 80% of the snaps and Larry Fitz in the slot on 90 plus percent. They were running four wide receiver sets at like a 75 plus percent clip. It was absolutely ridiculous. And since then, not a lot at all. They've running a lot more two wide receiver sets actually, which hurts Larry Fitzgerald. Instead of him being on the field about 90 plus percent of the time, he's only seen 74% of the snaps in each of the last two weeks, just less playmakers. You're substituting out Christian Kirk for Farrell Cooper. And then you're substituting out your four wide receiver sets, which puts pressure on a defense to have four cornerbacks on the field, right? And that's usually not good. Most teams have maybe one good cornerback. Maybe you can get by with two. Four, you're usually going to have a lot more better matchup problems. And right now, Colin Murray in the passing game has been struggling with that, but he's still throwing 37 times a game. If Christian Kirk is back, it's going to be a real deciding factor. Obviously, you have to keep the news on Chase Edmonds and David Johnson, but both, whichever one's starting, if both are starting, are good in the receiving game. It doesn't hurt me as much as me wanting to know about Christian Kirk. Matt Stafford against the Giants. Look, the Giants cornerbacks are Grant Haley in the slot. He's given up the most slot wide receiver um, yardage to slot wide receivers this year as a slot cornerback. You have Janoris Jenkins on the outside, who's been one of the worst PFF cornerbacks on the season, albeit his one to two interceptions, one being in the flexion, still one of the worst in the league, uh, approaching 400 yards already allowed this season. And then on the other side, you have uh, the, uh, the the rookie Baker, who's also been bad. These guys are bottom five in terms of a, a top three cornerbacks on your team. Now Matthew Stafford gets to go in there without on Johnson. He's week to week. He's likely out this week. And the guy going to be filling in for him primarily Ty Johnson with a little bit and probably a lot more than a little maybe 30 to even 40 percent JD McKissick uh, Trey Carson's also their former Packer this year but Ty Johnson McKissick those guys are very much used in the receiving game probably more than carry on especially Ty Johnson the rookie that they really like in the preseason so when you factor in that a team that wants to run the ball although Stafford's throwing over 36 times per game they're not gonna be able to run it as much they haven't had success running it but Ty Johnson's also a very good pass catching back so you're probably gonna have more pass attempts to him which also helps just keep the drives alive also helps with upside if he can break some bigger runs for Matt Stafford not having to do much right and move down the field I do like Matt Stafford this week um, a good amount of his price point right now I do favor Matt Stafford over Kyler Murray with the thoughts that maybe David Johnson and Christian Kirk will be out Ryan Tannehill at 5,100. I'm not laughing because I think um, this is like a, a really bad quarterback. He seemed very good in the last week and a half that he's played as the starter coming in in the third quarter two weeks ago. Looked really good this past week. Only was asked to throw the ball 29 times but he didn't really make any mistakes. He took a sack, held the ball too long. His interception, not his fault. He got hit as he was throwing on the blind side and pretty much he got hit and his arm just went in the air and it threw a duck straight up into the air. So really not much you can do there when you don't have protection on your blind side throwing to the left side of the field. So on that part, his blind side was on the right um, instead of normally being on the left side. So 5,100 against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay surely coming off the bye, but a bottom five pass defense in the league and they're very good stout run defense. So the concerns here are Derek Kearney just gets stonewalled, right? Tampa Bay's run defense is top two in the league. They just get stonewalled. Um, and then they have to throw the ball a lot more with Tannehill. So instead of 29 times like last week, you have maybe 35 to 40 attempts. And maybe that's where Tannehill starts unraveling when it's on his shoulders. That's the downside to playing Tannehill if you think there is one. And that is a realistic downside. But he's looked good. He has weapons out there who are going to be in good matchups, right? They're finally using Adam Humphreys in the middle of the field. He's going to have a good matchup this week against Tampa Bay. And then on the outsides, yeah, Corey Davis has a fantastic matchup. And so does A.J. Brown, two big, fast wide receivers against some really bad cornerback play and safety play for Tampa Bay in their secondary. Their front seven's been good. Their secondary has not been good. So Tannehill at 5,100, I think he's a very good value. And I think he's worth tournaments, even in stacks with A.J. Brown and Corey Davis. I like it. Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson, both very expensive, both above 7,000, both $100 apart from each other. They both have good matchups. Atlanta's giving up 26.2 fantasy points per game, the most in the league after Jared Goff goes for over 25 last week. And then you have Oakland giving up 24.7 fantasy points per game, the third highest, uh, the second highest on the slate, only behind Atlanta. Aaron Rodgers obviously going for six total touchdowns, over 400 yards in a perfect passer rating last year or last week. So these are two really good quarterbacks. The concern with Russell Wilson is they're on the road, but they're favorites. And when they're favored, they usually run the ball more. The upside though, Atlanta has a top eight run defense this year and they've been very good at stopping the run so if there is more pressure on Russell Wilson to throw 
against these very bad Atlanta cornerbacks, whether it's Isaiah Oliver, even if um, even if it comes back that Desmond Trufant comes back, he's given up over 240 yards and five touchdowns in five games this year. Or it can very much be a KZ in the slot who's going to have a bad matchup for him, but a good matchup for Lockett in the slot against KZ, who's also been poor as 120 passer rating against. So yeah, Russell Wilson, I do like him this week. It's just a matter of do you have confidence of him paying off that price tag? He is running right around 25 yards per game, which is a good upside. He is averaging the second best passing touchdowns touchdown efficiency behind Jacoby Brissett, and he has the most fantasy points per attempt. Deshaun Watson, second in fantasy points per attempt, 28 rushing yards per game. Not going to have Will Fuller, but Kenny Stills will assume that role, which the downside there is now you're going to have very heavy double teams on DeAndre Hopkins, which he can definitely beat. These aren't great defensive backs um, for Oakland, but instead of Will Fuller taking some of that pressure away, now it's going to be very much on Kenny Stills to get open here. DeAndre Hopkins will still get open. It's just, uh, it's going to be harder for him to get open deep. Um, So I think Deshaun Watson is fine. The rushing upside is clearly there. We saw last week what happened uh, to this Oakland defense, even coming off of a bye against Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers only threw 31 times. He only threw 31 times. You have Deshaun Watson averaging 33.6 attempts per game. I think it's a fine spot if you want to pay for it. I think I slightly lean Russell Wilson in this matchup just due to the better overall matchup in my opinion against Atlanta secondary if they don't trade for anybody this week um but we they're both very good options I slightly prefer Russell Wilson um at a similar price point point. and then my maybes I won't get into too much detail Josh Allen obviously has a great matchup but it becomes a pricing play like I like John uh, John Brown Jalen Mills is back for the Eagles he seems to be their best cornerback he looked okay against the Cowboys graded out well gave up a couple of receptions pretty much really nice catches to Amari had an interception in that game as well on Sunday Night Football but end of the day, Josh Allen, 6,500. He's averaging the most rushing attempts per game, 77.5 per game as a quarterback. Second most rushing yards, 31.7, only behind Kyler Murray. Uh, But Josh Allen, right on this slate, 6,500. You could save a couple dollars, get to Murray and Stafford, who probably have similar upside. You could spend a little bit more to guys who have a higher floor and upside, in my opinion, with Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. So I like Allen's matchup, of course. It's really good. But when you start to consider who you stack him with, like in tournaments, it's really just John Brown. I don't want Cole Beasley. Sure, he scores a touchdown last week, but his actual overall upside is very limited. Duke Williams, the same thing. Isaiah McKenzie, the same thing. So it's just a factor of I will have more Matt. Stafford stacks with his wide receivers. More Tannehill stacks with his wide receivers. Watson has two clear wide receivers to throw to. Russell Wilson has two clear wide receivers, right? When it comes to Josh Allen, he doesn't have two clear wide receivers to throw to. And if you think Cole Beasley's the second clear one, more times than not, you're going to be sitting there with a guy having eight fantasy points on your in your lineups. Jerry Goff, 6,800. Great spot against Cincinnati. This whole team's in a great spot. Um, really good spot, actually. It's going to be a pace-up spot for them based on their team's pace this year. He's throwing. There's a truck coming by. He's throwing over 40 attempts per game, which is very good. 40.4. Had a good game last week. Didn't even really use his wide receivers all that much. First half, he did good. Called his number for a QB sneak. Threw the ball to Gerald Everett. Todd Gurley for touchdowns. Wide receivers not very much involved in the second half as they took a lead, but he himself had a good game. $6,800. He's in play. He has to be in play. He has one of the best top three matchup on the slate against his secondary against his pass rush and Cincy, which ranks bottom three in the league in terms of pressure rates, according to Pro Football Focus. Yeah, he's definitely in play. It's just a matter of, I want to spend $300 more for Deshaun Watson. Do I want to spend $400 more for Russell Wilson, who both have rushing upside, who both have just as good of matchups? Yeah, maybe because of the rushing upside, but they're all in great spots. Jared Goff can very much be a yes for me come Thursday or Friday. Matt Ryan's a question mark just because of the injury. If Matt Ryan plays, he's averaging 40.7 attempts per game over 300 yards, 310 yards per game, leading the slate by a wide margin of eight yards. Doesn't sound like a wide margin, but it actually is when you break it down. Um, Yeah, if he's going to be playing against Seattle, whose secondary I think is very suspect outside of Shaq Griffin, yeah, I'll have interest in Matt Ryan. He's going to still throw the ball 40 plus times because of how bad this defense is more times than not. If he is healthy, and we'll see, I haven't seen any updated Vegas odds, then I'll have interest. He'll probably become a yes. Gardner Minshew, the cheap guy outside of Tannehill that I like. I prefer Tannehill. Minshew has more rushing upside, of course, but Tannehill is actually somewhat mobile. Um, 
I just prefer Tannehill's matchup. Uh, Gardner Minshew against the Jets. Uh, their pass rush is now back and healthy for the most part. C.J. Mosley coming back. The secondary for the Jets is still not good. In the slot, Ryan Poole's been good on the outsides. Their cornerbacks have been slightly improving at best. Daryl Roberts had an okay game against the Patriots, but the Patriots really didn't have to force the ball. They had a lot of short fields, a lot of short Sony Michelle touchdowns. Uh, their defense put them in good spots. Darnold was terrible. Uh, but for the most part, Gardner Minshew, he's, he's meh. He's, he's meh. That's, that's pretty much it for Gardner Minshew. Uh, I prefer Tannehill down there. Quickly, before we get into this video, I just want to say you should check out drafters.com. I'm going to be doing a listener league on drafters.com this week. I'll have it as a 10-person league. It'll be like a 20-second draft. Drafters.com is a online snake draft format. So we go in, we draft as just a team of 10 as if we're doing like a season long, but just for that week, totally quick. It's 20 seconds per pick. It'll take about 10 minutes. I'll set the date for Sunday morning, maybe around 10 a.m. So if you want to get in there, again, it's like a $5 buy-in. It's linked up down below. If that one fills, I'll put a second listener league in there. We'll do another one. So check out drafters.com. It's a really cool site. I've been partnering up with them um, pretty much since I started doing content. Really cool organization over there. Uh, Cool group of guys that are running that. So check it out, drafters.com. They will be sponsoring the listener league this week. It's a ton of fun. We've been doing it the last couple of weeks. So check it out. It is linked down below. Let's get back to this video. Running backs. Look, the top end running backs, Chris McCaffrey and Saquon Shirley in play. McCaffrey has a tough matchup, but he's averaging on the season um, 28.7 opportunities per game. That's very good in terms of targets and touches. Saquon has a difficult matchup if indeed you see Mike Daniels back. But even if you don't, Snacks Harrison has been bad so far this year. He said in an interview that he has to be better, so we'll see. Uh, but this Detroit run defense is allowing 32.7 fantasy points per game. Second most, believe it or not, only to Todd Gurley's matchup against Cincinnati. So, Saquon's in play for me. Um, those two guys, if you want to prioritize them, look, there's a lot of value on the slate at running back, especially at wide receiver. A ton of value. If you go to Tannehill, lots of value at quarterback. So you can get to these guys. Uh, which one do I prefer? I preferred earlier in my first look, I think Saquon. I'm going to prefer McCaffrey now only because San Fran's defense has been good against the running back in terms of fantasy points allowed. I haven't really faced many great running backs. I've been getting up big on some teams. I think Carolina coming out of the bye, McCaffrey's overall volume keeps him obviously in play. It's just a matter of, do you want to play 9,200? I think I prefer right now on a Tuesday, McCaffrey over Saquon, like them both. I don't think you need to play them uh, in tournaments. I don't think you need to. I don't think it's, it forces you to because there are some wide receivers in good spots like Hopkins. Um, but I think if you get to them, it's completely fine. And I probably will try and prioritize and get to Christian McCaffrey because we do have, as of right now, a lot of running back and wide receiver, loads of wide receiver value below 5k. Leonard Fournette, 7,800. Somewhat difficult matchup as the Jets get healthier. I would expect Henry Anderson to be back this week. We'll see a defensive lineman. CJ Mosley came back, but he's still getting so much volume. Second most volume on the slate, right around 26 opportunities per game. Only two, Christian McCaffrey, second most in the league. Continues to not score touchdowns somehow. Uh, got stuffed on a fourth and in inches, I think, for a turnover on downs last week. But the volume is just king right now for Leonard Fournette. Um, and it's a spot where he's a six-point favorite. He's definitely in play for me. Le'Veon Bell, I'm going to put Le'Veon Bell to a question mark right now live as we do this. Um, he was a yes, but he's $6,900. And with the amount of players that are a little bit more expensive than him, we'll get to Todd Gurley. We have Fournette, $900 more. And a lot cheaper, um, guys like Latavius Murray that we'll talk about. For his projected team total of 17.25, the pace of this game, which looks to be the worst on the slate at 31.42 seconds between plays. These teams both play very slow. And the fact that he's not receiving the ball the last two games. He's had like no receptions. I think two receptions. He's averaging six targets per game, but they're very much dropping these last two games, even in games where they're trailing by a ton. Le'Veon Bell not being used in the receiving game. That's a concern for me. He becomes a maybe at that price point. I prefer guys who are cheaper than him. I prefer guys who are slightly more expensive than him. So when it comes down to that, usually I can swing it and find myself the extra 400 or 500, or I can very much feel comfortable saving $1,000 to get to Latavius Murray, who is next up here. 
Look, Alvin Kamara, we'll see if he's healthy. We'll know on Wednesday or Thursday practice reports, but it seems like it's a high ankle sprain. If that's the case, he's probably out for at least another two to three weeks. It took Saquon a month, and that's on the early end of it because Saquon's an absolute freak to get back from this injury. Alvin Kamara, I'm not too sure. Like, he might be out another two or three weeks. We'll see. Beat writers are saying it's a high ankle. Team has not really officially come out and said high ankle. They just say ankle and knee injury, but we will see if it is a high ankle. Yeah, expect Alvin Kamara to miss another two to three weeks. And Latavius Murray, who saw 32 touches, I believe, in that last game, what really was impressive to me was five receptions. Now he gets Arizona, who's giving up top 10 rushing yards per game. I believe top eight rushing yards per game. I like Latavius Murray here. And it's not even that it's just, oh, he's coming off a game. He's going to be so chalky, Sal. You're chasing the points. You weren't on him last week as much, and now you are. Yeah, I missed him. I wasn't on him a ton last week. You're right. I prefer Josh Jacobs. Look, Latavius Murray obviously has the ceiling game. Jacobs had 20 points, 19 and a half. He didn't do terrible. So I'll take that. But obviously, I want that ceiling game for Murray. I had him in the afternoon slate, which paid off. But Latavius Murray at 5,800. I don't know how your price only comes up $700 for another beneficial matchup in a spot where your team is a nine and a half point favorite with a 29 team total. Yeah, the running back's probably going to touch the ball 20 times. Five catches on six targets last week. Uh, Even if you get three receptions for 20 yards from Latavius Murray, which seems like a decent floor to median projection, five points in the receiving game for a $5,800 running back who then you could probably factor based on the spread in this game, see 16 to 17 carries on the ground. More times than not, you probably see 20 touches for Latavius Murray. 20 touches in a beneficial matchup as a 10-point favorite. I take Latavius Murray there at 5,800. Again, if if Kamara plays, then wash all that. But I'm leaning right now that he doesn't. Ty Johnson, 4,900. Look, no carry on Johnson. He's week to week. He's probably not going to play this week. Ty Johnson. Johnson is filling in for Johnson. $4,900. Look, he's going to be a pass catcher. This is very good. The only concern is, what if Ty Johnson only plays 40% of the snaps? Something goes wonky, and then you see J.D. McKissick playing 40 and Trey Carson 20. That's a real concern. It really is. Like, this is not solidified Ty Johnson's role. It's not like Chase Edmonds is the only guy, um, like what happened when David Johnson didn't play last week or was was like a healthy scratch kind of, had a carry, whatever you want to call it. Um, Chase Edmonds, you knew was going to be the guy because he's the only other guy seeing snaps. Whereas J.D. McKissick, he's been seeing his snaps hit 20 to 30% some weeks, right? Getting touches. Um, so there's concern that he can take over, but... As of last week, Ty Johnson, after carry on left, over 60% of the snaps. I feel confident that Ty Johnson should see a roll between 65, right around 65% of the snaps, if not higher. And he has pass catching upside, $4,900 in a very beneficial matchup, matchup against the Giants, allowing 28.9 fantasy points per game to the running back position. That is the third highest on the slate. I like Ty Johnson this week. My last yes is Todd Gurley. The only reason that you are worried or scared of playing Todd Gurley in this matchup is your still preconceived biases of Todd Gurley being an injury prone running back. Man, let me tell you something. Can he get injured in this game? Yes. Has he been dealing with injuries? Yes. I can name about another 10 to 15 other players on this slate that have been dealing with injuries and are still in um, and, and are not getting as much slack as him. I get it. There's like actual long-term problems with his knee. He played 60% of the snaps last week and saw 19 touches in a very good, in a very tough matchup against Atlanta, who has held everybody down. Top 10 defense. Now he gets the number one matchup for running backs in the league. fantasy points per game is the most allowed to running backs. They've given up the most receiving touchdowns, the most receiving yards, top two in rushing yards allowed, top two in rushing attempts per game. This Cincinnati team is giving up, again, most rushing yards. Like, this is the beneficial matchup. It's the best matchup. Todd Gurley saw 93% of the snaps the week before. He only sees like 61%. But what matters is he got 19 touches. He didn't see 61% and only get 12 touches and they limited him. He got a normal workload of 19 touches. Uh, Todd Gurley, I feel confident. I feel confident that he's $7,400. It's a good price point for a very good matchup where his team is a 13-point favorite with over a 30 implied team total. The only way things go wonky here is if Todd Gurley injures himself in practice this week or in this game. Todd Gurley is going to play majority of the snaps, 60 plus percent of the snaps with the upside like we saw two weeks ago, playing 90 plus percent. I like Todd Gurley this week. Um, Is he my favorite running back on the board? Eh, There's cheaper guys that I like more. I I like Latavius Murray, but at that price point, I think I prefer him to Leonard Fournette. Yes, this matchup is just that good for a guy who has two touchdown upside, for a guy who has 20 plus touch upside. On 60% of the snaps, he saw 19 touches. Why are you worried about an injury? I don't get it. I just don't get it. 
60% of the snaps. Worried about an injury. He saw 19 touches. I'm not worried about no injury. Uh, Josh Jacobs. My, these are now my question marks. Le'Veon Bell, I moved to a question mark. We talked about him. Josh Jacobs at 5,800. Same price point as Latavius Murray. It's hard not to like Latavius Murray with more of a pass catching role there with probably a better overall matchup against Arizona. Houston around middle of the pack against the run. But Josh Jacobs has been so, so good this year. Very sneaky. A top three option, in my opinion, right now for rookie of the year. Probably top two, in my opinion. It goes Kyler Murray for me, then Josh Jacobs, then Daniel Jones, then Gardner Minshew, right in that, and then right in that bunch, then Terry McLaurin, probably. Sony Michelle, another 13 point favorite, similar to Todd Gurley, except Sony Michelle is lucky if he sees 50% of the snaps, right? With Brandon Bolden, or, well, yeah, Brandon Bolden, but with St. James White, with Rex Burkhead potentially coming back. So Sony Michelle takes a little bit of a hit. You're lucky if you get him on the field for 50% of the snaps, where I'd be very shocked if Todd Gurley doesn't play at least 50 to 60, if not more than that. I'd be shocked if Todd Gurley doesn't see 60 plus percent of the snaps. Um, maybe shocked is a strong word, but if he stays healthy, I'd be shocked in that game. Uh, Tevin Coleman, $5,000 is fine. Again, I prefer for $800 more. Latavius Murray for $100 less. Ty Johnson, I think I prefer. Look, Tevin Coleman saw the far majority of the snaps as there's some sort of ambulance. All right, uh, hopefully somebody's okay. I was going to say RIP, but that's a little bit cruel. So hopefully somebody's okay. Let's let them pass. That was somewhat quick. Good. Um, so yeah, Tevin Coleman, $5,000. I prefer these other guys. Look, he said I saw 66% of the snaps, but Matt Breida had to come out with a concussion. So there's like a 6 to 10% snap boost right there for him. Other than that, he's seeing right around 50% of the snaps, and Matt Breida's seeing right around 35, 40% of the snaps again. This is not solely Tevin Coleman's backfield. Like, he's, he's taking over. He clearly has. I mean, they signed the guy for a reason. Matt Breida is still very much involved, as he probably should be, because he's a very good back, especially in the passing game role. Um, so Coleman at 5,000. If indeed we get word that for some reason it's going to be a split between Ty Johnson and McKissick and Alvin Kamara's back, well, then yeah, Tevin Coleman boosts up my board a little bit but as of right now i prefer murray i prefer ty johnson these other guys i don't really have much interest in i just thought their prices were interesting but joe Mixon at 4600 he's been terrible not him his offensive line has been very bad they should get one of their offensive linemen back this week who was suspended last week and find a two hundred thousand dollars for contract of conduct detrimental to the team not much interest there david montgomery 4400 has a decent matchup especially if ingram is out versus the chargers but he only saw two carries last week they only ran the ball five total times i think they will t- change that method because mitch trubisky looked terrible um so 4400 is actually an interesting price point duke johnson's only 3800 dollars we saw what Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones did last week, each catching a touchdown against this Oakland defense. I don't want to weigh that too heavily. Uh, Duke Johnson's really not seeing all that many snaps on the season so far. Duke Johnson is playing, and let me pull this up, 54.2% of the snaps, so more than probably expected, um, but probably not enough to get me on to Duke Johnson. Actually, only 48%. I was looking at the guy above him, but I thought it was an interesting price point because he is very cheap if you wanted to just absolutely punt. Wide receiver is a lot, so let's go through it. Um, right now I have, honestly, only 22 is not terrible for a 12-game slate for an early interest and in trying to filter it down as the week goes on. On the top end, I think Cup's fine. I think Lockett's fine. We talked about Lockett's matchup against KZ. Very beneficial for Lockett coming out of the slot. Priced up, price point, but it's okay. Cup's fine if you want to get to him at 7500 Price goes up $100. Really good matchup against Cincinnati's cornerbacks who are all pretty poor. B.W. Webb had his worst game of the year last year, surrendering a lot of receptions and yardage to D.D. Westbrook. Cup has a beneficial matchup. Kenny Galladay, sure, he only saw two targets, one being on a two-point conversion attempt last week, but now he gets a Giants secondary that he'll probably see Janoris Jenkins, and that is a lovely matchup for Kenny Galladay. I'm not worried about last week. I think that was just a fluke. 45 pass attempts for Stafford and only two targets to Galladay. Um, I think it's just a fluke. I like it. John Brown, 5,900, too cheap. Look, 48 points per game, the most to any... Uh, the most out of any team in the league is what the Eagles are giving up to wide receivers. But now Jalen Mills is back. 
I don't know how good this guy is. He hasn't played in a year coming off an injury. Against Amari Cooper, he held his own. He gave up six catches for like 70 yards, which obviously isn't great, but Pro Football Focus graded him out very good in terms of it could have been a lot worse for other cornerbacks in that situation, especially when you factor in that Amari Cooper had just like two beautiful catches that I don't know if any cornerback in the league can really defend those uh, based on where the ball placement was. So maybe it's a tougher matchup for John Brown, but overall, on the parts, it's not going to be a shadow matchup. So the parts of the game where he's not on him, John Brown will have an even better matchup than he probably already does. Uh, Brandon Cooks, 5,700. I think he's my favorite Rams wide receiver this week. As of right now, you get a price savings of $1,800 off of Cooper Cup. Not only that, but you get him playing at home, which is much better for Brandon Cooks in his career in a matchup against just secondary options. There's no William Jackson III. There's no Drake Kirkpatrick, two of their top wide receivers. They're two or top cornerbacks. Those other two top cornerbacks are going to be out yet again. Brandon Cooks should excel on the outside. Larry Fitzgerald has been letting a lot of people down the last three weeks. You know what else has happened over the last three weeks? They haven't had Christian Kirk. And I mentioned it earlier about Kyler Murray. They're not running a lot of four wide receiver sets, which hurts Larry Fitzgerald as being the guy the defense focuses on on three wide receiver sets. And they're not running as many three wide receiver sets. 74% of the snaps each of the last two weeks for Larry Fitzgerald. Well, instead of playing 94% of the snaps, that's a big hit. 20% of the time you're off the field now because you're not, your team's running their offense differently because Christian Kirk's not out there and you don't trust Farrell Cooper in the slot. That's how it seems. If Christian Kirk plays, believe it or not, I have more interest in Larry Fitzgerald. That seems backwards, but if Kirk plays, I have more interest in Fitzgerald. If Kirk is out, I don't have as much interest. Cortland Sutton's too cheap at 5,300, but the Indianapolis Colts, they don't play a lot of man-to-man because their cornerbacks stink, but as a zone, they're very, very good in discipline. They don't let you get deep on them, which can hurt Cortland Sutton, although he's been beating a lot of zones this year. Um, 5,300 is a cheap price point. It's in a weird range of like the mid to low 5K range where I don't have much interest, so he would probably be the guy who gets the most. This is where all the value is this week. Below $5,000 at wide receiver, you have so many guys who have upside down here. I like a lot of these guys. Kenny Stills at 4,700 facing Oakland, who we saw the Packers just decimate last week on 31 Rodgers attempts. Kenny Stills now going to be taking on, he played 90 plus percent of the snaps, over 100 yards, going to be taking on the Will Fuller role with really nobody to defend him. Not going to see double coverage. If, if DeAndre Hopkins sees double coverage, yes, Kenny Stills benefits from that because he'll see more one-on-one coverage. So I like Kenny Stills. Christian Kirk, if he returns, I do prefer him over his teammate, Larry Fitzgerald, for a cheaper price point. Kirk's been averaging 9.3 targets per game. Now they're, they're not great targets. They're like eight, a, the A dot is like eight yards, so not great. But at $4,700, if you tell me that a guy's going to see nine to 10 targets, he's going to catch seven of them, and maybe he has like 60, 70 yards, and he has touchdown upside, not many guys in the $4,700 range on most weeks, a lot this week, but 4700 range most weeks can do that. D.D. Westbrook is a yes right now. I might move him to an X as a maybe just because I do like Kenny Stills and Kirk if he plays more and I like these guys below him more. So I'll move him to a maybe because this matchup against Brian Poole is actually tough. Brian Poole has been one of the best top five slot cornerback in the league so far this year, believe it or not. That's a tough matchup for D.D. Westbrook who has had trouble against um, more established cornerbacks. Uh, Corey Davis, 4,400. I love the play. I love it. I like Tannehill. I like Corey Davis stacking them in not cash. Don't stack in cash for the people that comment that on YouTube videos but to stack them in GPPs. Corey Davis against Tampa Bay. You have to like it. Um, he's seen now back-to-back weeks of at least six targets um, from and that, the one week he only had a half to play with Tannehill, but back-to-back weeks of at least six targets from Tannehill. I think your upside in Corey Davis here is eight to 10 targets. And then yes, the guy right below him at 4,100. I love AJ Brown as well this week. The stacks for tournaments of Tannehill, Brown, and Corey Davis do not sound sexy. They don't at all. They kind of worry me, um, but I think they're in very good spots and they're very cheap and they let you get whatever else you want in your lineup. Not only that, I think there's real upside. Corey Davis has now played an average of 60% of the snaps over the last over the past three weeks. I do like that. Or not Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, the rookie, the standout rookie, in my opinion, if he played more snaps. I like Corey Davis and Brown. And then Erickson. I put Alex Erickson on here. He blew up last week, 90-plus percent of the snaps. Week before, he actually saw his snaps increase from like 20 to 70-plus percent. He's 3,700. He has to be mentioned. He's not a guy that I really want to play in tournaments. He's a cash game option who allows you to unlock more in your lineup. 
My maybes, I'll just hit on them quick. Chris Godwin, tough matchup in the slot against a guy who has the second best quarterback rating for anybody playing more than 100 slot snaps, and he's played the most slot snaps this year in Logan Ryan. Tough matchup for Chris Godwin, although his his size of 15 plus pounds on Logan Ryan should help him, but again, tough matchup. DeAndre Hopkins, if you want to pay up and you have a lot of money and you're not paying for McCaffrey or Barkley or you did and now you have more money, Hopkins is the guy I choose over Michael Thomas, who has a tough matchup against Patrick Peterson, and over Julio Jones, who might not have Matt Ryan as of right now. Hopkins matchup against Oakland, although he'll see more double teams with no Will Fuller out there. It's still a spot that I like him, especially around the red zone. He's just such a weapon, averaging 9.7 targets per game. Keenan Allen's a maybe against the Bears for me. Um, I'm not too worried about the matchup. The Bears, so far, this defense, for the most part, it's been good. Nowhere near as good as last year, and they've really taken a step back. Um, missing Hakeem or Hakeem Nix in the running game as well. Been pitiful there. Allen Robinson at 6,000 is in play. Shark and Boyd all in play. Boyd at 5,100 is very cheap. It's an interesting price point. And I like it, but I like guys who are cheaper, like Corey Davis more. I like guys who are cheaper, like Kenny Stills, honestly, more. Uh, but Tyler Boyd at 5,100 is very interesting. We'll primarily face Robbie Coleman in the slot, which is a good slot cornerback, one of the better ones in the league. So tough matchup. And then rounding it out, Mike Williams is too cheap um, in a matchup at $4,000 against the Bears. Uh, the concern is, does the Bears pass rush get to Phillip Rivers enough and you don't have as much time down the field for Mike Williams? That's a very real concern. And your team does not have a good team total. Very real concern once again. I like I like the price point is fine on him. But in a week where Corey Davis is $400 more, I prefer Corey Davis. Dante Pettis, 3,800. Probably has a tough matchup against James Bradbury. Played 92% of the snaps. The most out of any San Fran wide receiver this week. Back-to-back weeks that he's played the most snaps out of any San Fran wide receiver in the entire year is what I meant to say. I like him at 3,800. Very, very millimaker 1% play. I'm not playing him in three max. I'm not playing him in 20 max. I'm not playing him in more than like two lineups, but I think he is viable. Same thing could be said for Anthony Miller, who has now played um, 75 plus percent of the snaps, I believe in two straight weeks and 60 plus percent of the snaps in three straight weeks out of the slot, been targeted very heavily, will have a okay matchup if he comes out of the slot against Desmond King, who in my opinion is probably one of the best, if not the best slot cornerback in the league. But I say okay, because King has been playing banged up and not as good this year. Again, that's another millimaker type play. They're maybes, but really lean to nose, and it's like a 1% play. Dante Pettis and Anthony Miller have not that much interest in them, but if you're asking me guys in a GPP where I can see having 100 yards and a touchdown, um, and you're playing them in like two lineups in the millimaker or something, and you're playing like 50 lineups, and you just want some sort of upside, I think I prefer AJ Brown and those guys, but for guys who have no ownership, I see a way for Pettis and Anthony Miller to have success. Not a ton of interest, but obviously uh, I kind of already articulated that. Lastly, we'll finish it up with tight ends. So this is the way I rank tight ends, and I'll do it very quickly because it's not that important to go in depth on tight ends. If Matt Ryan is playing, I like Austin Hooper the most. Mohamed Sanu leaving is going to help Austin Hooper the most, in my opinion. It'll give more snaps to Russell Gage on the outside, more slot snaps for Calvin Ridley, and more playing time for Justin Hardy. That's the way it shapes out. More snaps probably in the slot for Julio Jones as well, um, but I think the slot snaps will be split up primarily between Calvin Ridley now and Justin Hardy. Russell Gage sees more snaps on the outside, the young kid there, and then Julio's role pretty much stays the same, maybe some more slot roles, but Austin Hooper in the middle of the field sees a bigger boost, in my opinion, for production. Right now, in my interest, I would rank it Austin Hooper, then Waller, then Evan Ingram. After that, probably go to uh, George Kittle, and then Hunter Henry, then Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz, a brutal matchup going into Buffalo, although they're his own defense, so that's good for where he plays in the field, um, but right now, not a great spot, especially with how Carson Wentz and his offense has been playing pretty stagnant. Um, yeah, that, that's about it. I would rank it as of right now on a Tuesday. Hooper, Waller, Ingram, 
And then that's rounding it out. Nobody I really want to punt. If indeed Jared Cook misses again, Josh Hill's an okay play at 3,200, but like you're hoping for eight fantasy points and that's not winning you a tournament. So I'd rather just play the guys who have higher upsides, higher ceilings. Gerald Everett is in a very good matchup against Cincinnati. Scores a touchdown last week, has been playing very well. Um, He's seeing six targets per game now. So at 4,300, that's surely in play. Hunter Henry had another big fourth quarter, seeing 7.3 targets per game now. Um, Was, I believe, the leading receiver in that game for a second straight week for the Chargers. He clearly has a role. The The Chicago Bears have not been locked down against like they have not been for many positions and not good overall they're, they're becoming a much worse defense and some of it's injury related some of it's just natural regression it's very hard for a defense to remain the number one defense in back-to-back years they usually have an average drop of seven positions in terms of dropping down seven spots um so i think it is a fine matchup for hunter henry uh, as long as roquan smith doesn't show up and start playing um so that's, what I'm, that's all I'm going to say on tight end. That's about it. Yeah, there's not too much to go into detail on a Tuesday in tight end. That's where I'm at. Hopefully this video helps you. Check out my NBA content if you're interested. If you're somebody who's never played NBA, you can go back and find them in my playlist. I have some strategy guides and strategy playlists for free. I'm making a, a DFS course as of right now as well. When you can check that out for NBA, please rate and review the podcast if you're listening on the audio version. Hope you had a great listen. If you're watching on the video version, hit that subscribe button. It helps me out. Check out the audio version. Link down below. Follow me on Twitter. Totally free. Hit the subscribe button. Like I said, totally free. Really appreciate the support. If you like my content and you want more exclusive content, um, I probably spend each week 10 to 15 hours on content. And then I spend on Patreon content alone about 25. So a lot more content over on Patreon. If you are interested in that, you can check it out over there. Appreciate you tuning in. My name's Sal. You already know that. Peace out, gang. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you could please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.